Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to another edition of Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your Bohemian Codger, Ethan Hatcher. The last show of 2023. It's been a big year, and we've got a lot of big stories to cover in this hour. And also, special guests coming on the show later in the program, including uh, news director, former news director, uh, Christopher Davis. We're going to be talking about AI writing your news articles, which is an enormous travesty, of which he has many pertinent thoughts to share. Tony Kennett joining the show. We're going to review uh, the absolute cultural vandalization that has taken place to the once great science fiction franchise, Doctor Who, now being uh, mired in a litany of woke virtue signaling. It's ridiculous. But first, we're going to start with Mr. Griff goes to Washington. Good old Hunter Biden up to his usual tricks, defying a congressional subpoena. I understand you're not able to do that. Uh, we have actually uh, attorney Guy Relford coming back into the studio. Now, as I understand it, Guy, you, you can't just defy a congressional subpoena whenever you feel like it, right? No, no, of course not. And better yet, the existence of a subpoena implies the existence of a dompina, which means they could use the sergeant at arms to make the witness and compel them to appear. Now, Hunter Biden... He had many thoughts to share, uh, including saying that uh, for six years now, uh, he's been the target, the unfair target of MAGA Republicans. For six years, I've been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. That's an interesting tell from Hunter Biden, where he says that his father was never financially involved with the business. Now, first, it started with never having discussed any business matters with Hunter Biden. But that turns out not to have been true, because, of course, we know he spoke on the phone with business partners of Hunter. He had dinner with business partners of Hunter. These aren't family friends. What do you think they're chatting about? But of course, of course, according to Hunter, there's just simply no evidence. There's no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. James Comer, Jim Jordan, Jason Smith, and their colleagues have distorted the facts by cherry-picking lines from a bank statement, manipulating texts I sent, editing the testimony of my friends and former business partners, and misstating personal information that was stolen from me. You're a liar! You're a liar! 
You know something that you're not telling us, you slimy scumbag liar! Well, at least now he's finally admitting that the information is legitimate. I am old enough to remember, and surely producer Carl is too, when they said it was just a Russian disinformation uh, campaign and that, you know, it was real, it was fabricated. It's just made up by those uh, nasty Republicans. Well, it's time for the Republicans to put up or shut up because it's going to look mighty silly if they don't come forward with evidence now, which Jim Jordan and James Comer claim to have a pattern of association with Hunter Biden and Father Joe with the business. Biden said that his father had no involvement in his business dealings, period. How do you respond? Jeff Salva Devin Archer said there was telephone, uh, phone calls, meetings, dinners, you name it. We know what happened with Burisma in Ukraine in that December 4th through December 9th time frame where Joe Biden goes and leverages conditions that uh, American tax money on the firing of the prosecutor who was looking in to the executives of the very company Hunter Biden was on the board of. We know those facts. Remember, Joe Biden said he never met with any of these people or talked to any of these people. That was the narrative before we began this investigation. Now we know he met with and talked to every single one of them. So the president hasn't been honest about his associations with these people who have been wiring millions and millions of dollars to Hunter Biden and, and the Biden family. Look, I think every American has a simple question. What did the Bidens do to receive the tens of millions of dollars from our enemies around the world? That's a simple question. Part of the argument being uh, pushed forward by Biden's attorney was that since the House hadn't undertaken a formal vote moving forward impeachment inquiry, then they couldn't affect the subpoena. So directly because of Hunter Biden's decision to not 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 uh, uh, abide by a congressional subpoena, formally now the, the the house has voted and moved forward with the impeachment inquiry and you can rest that squarely on the shoulders of hunter which i think is hilarious and ironic mr biden's counsel and the white house have both argued that the reason he couldn't come for a deposition was because there wasn't a formal vote for an impeachment inquiry well that's going to happen in a few hours we think it's going to pass we think the house of representatives will go on record with the power that solely resides in the house to say we are in an official impeachment inquiry phase of our oversight. And when that happens, we'll see what their excuse is then. They should have been here today, but once we take that vote, we expect him to come in for a uh, for his interview, for his deposition. And frankly, uh, we'll also, I think, look at uh, contempt proceedings as we move forward. So Hunter Biden's flagrant disregard for congressional authority is only landing him in more hot water. This is not the contrition one would expect from an individual under congressional scrutiny and a federal indictment due to tax fraud. But that is the arrogance of a Biden family member who has been accustomed to skating by on the family name and being bailed out of crisis uh, on demand by the uh, uh, criminal financing of the Biden uh, family. Now, earlier in the show, I said the existence of a subpoena implies the existence of a dompina. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. That was a joke because I used that line in the Kendall and Casey show earlier in the week. And I, I don't think I don't think everybody got it. And yeah. that's just me being none of us got it. Yeah, it's a pun. <laughs> Too smart. Be submissive and dominant, <laughs> you know, fetish relationship. Anyway, yeah, no, that was that was the joke. And I just wanted to circle back and highlight that because it, it amused me. 
which hopefully it amused you too, but uh, you know, there's the goal. Anyway, so Hunter Biden in hot water, thanks to his own flagrant disregard for congressional authority. Let's see where this ends. It's time for Republicans to put up or shut up because it's going to look mighty silly if they come back empty handed after all this time, after indeed six years of focus and continual um, more information being drip fed on this story. So hopefully it'll solidify. And if not, Republicans have no one but themselves to blame. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. We've got a lot more content to come. Up next, we're going to talk about a judge in Ohio being praised for an unusual sentence handed down to an unruly customer. Also, a fast food uh, chain that is uh, looking to edge out the competition uh, in Starbucks. We'll tell you all about that. Coming up next, stay tuned to 93 WIBC. Get around, run, run, I get around, I get around. is Saturday night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show. This is Saturday night on The Circle. There's a really entertaining judge in Ohio, real King Solomon, with the way he hands down sentences. Uh, Judge Timothy Gilligan receiving praise for an unusual sentence that he handed down to a 38-year-old named Rosemary Hain, an unruly customer who threw her Chipotle chicken bowl at the uh, uh, server uh, at the at the employee because she was unsatisfied with its contents and appearance and uh, you know it, it just wasn't up to snuff for this particular unruly customer now of course she got charged with assault because you can't do that you can't just throw food at employees because you're dissatisfied but instead of sending her to jail he worked out an arrangement uh, with Rosemary and gave her the option of basically being in uh, walking a, a few miles in the shoes of this employee by taking on a job at a fast food restaurant for at least 20 hours a week. And I think this is great. Instead of going to jail, and I understand this is a first-time offender, she's got to get a part-time job and work some minimum wage fast food and see how it's like to be in uh, the retail service side. I like that. What, what do you think, Producer Carl? I think that's a... But do you a- want her making... Your food when she's being punished? Well, think about how much extra scrutiny she's going to be under, because I'm sure there are additional conditions to her employment. Like, not only does she have to show up, but I'm sure she's not going to be, like, posting on social media some of the gross stuff you see, like people stepping in the lettuce or, you know, spitting in the ground beef or doing some of the other nasty stuff that uh, uh, food workers do. But not this lady, because she is under the uh, uh, careful watch of Judge uh, Timothy Gilligan over there in Ohio. I like that. Um, Now, as far as fast food is concerned, this was a story I thought... It's coming to a a, a nearby neighborhood near you. Um, First debuting initially in Illinois, McDonald's, uh, they want to edge out Starbucks competition. I guess they have a mid-afternoon lull, and they're uh, uh, trying to fill the void there. So they're going to be launching new restaurants, a coffee house uh, with limited menu options from McDonald's and uh, other cosmic uh, uh, themed drinks, and that's what it's called. It's called Cosmix. Cause MCs. I, I guess this is named after a character that debuted in the 1980s. He's a futuristic uh, robot person. Um, so he's going to be heading up the new branding and it's going to be a futuristic design. I already don't go to regular McDonald's, producer Carl. Like their food 
is gross. Their hamburgers have significantly declined in quality over Wait, the. Hold on, I, I need to check to make sure that they're not advertising oh. our show. Yeah, I get in trouble with that. I'm bad with the sponsors. But yeah, well, McDonald's isn't going to give WIBC money. Anyway, their their food is gross, and I'm not going to be going to get their coffee, Like, especially if they're going to be charging Starbucks prices. I don't know what the price point comparison is going to be, but if it's going to be a a competition, you would think that it's going to be a similar price point level. And I'm just not going to go to a McDonald's buy chain, you know, uh, uh, buy product to get my coffee. This is a terrible idea. What, what say you, producer Carr? Are you going to be uh, going to Cosmics if it comes to uh, Indianapolis neighborhood? I will go. I will go to every one of our sponsors. <laughs> Good answer. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on the circle, which by the way, we would love a sponsor. If you want us to sing your praises on this weekly show or even transition potentially into a nightly program, please contact me, drop me a line in the YouTube comment section sometime or get in contact with the uh, promotions departments uh, or uh, or the, the uh, sales department over here at WIBC. And maybe we can uh, work something out. I think I I won't drag you like McDonald's. McDonald's, you know, you get the opposite treatment. <laughs> yeah, here. I think we have the uh, the Pepto Bismol diarrhea ads at, from time to time, so we can sing praises for them. Well, yeah, and we we also have a song, if I remember, because I know I recorded it just a few weeks ago. When you're sliding into first and you're feeling something worse, diarrhea, diarrhea. <laughs> when you're sliding into third and well, you just a turd, diarrhea. <laughs> Kevin, honey, where'd you learn that song? Last summer at camp, Mom. (laughs) Ah, that was money well spent. So just to bring it full circle, you're probably going to be getting diarrhea if you eat regularly (laughs) at McDonald's. Which is why you need to have the Pepto-Bismol sponsorship Absolutely. with Saturday Night on the Circle so you can rectify, rectify this process. Get it? <laughs> now we need to play the Beavis and Butthead. butthead. <laughs> <laughs> this show is ridiculous. What's even happening? Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Uh, final show of the year, and I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, I believe this is also producer Carl's uh, p- potentially last time on the program. We, we don't we don't know. I mean, never we, say never because you've departed once before. That came back. And, and you came back <laughs> just when they think I'm gone. Just when I'm gone, they pull me right back in. That's, that's, that's what's going on with Carl. Uh, but we're happy to have you here, at least for one last hurrah. Um. Now, this was a very uncool move of D. Snyder, very uncash money of uh, a free speech champion. Of course, he at one time addressed Congress for freedom of speech because they were uh, trying to set standards for the music industry. And he made a fantastic defense, as did Mr. Rogers, uh, ironically. Um, but but anyway, now <coughs> D. Snyder believes that you should have or that he should have free speech, but not other people, not Alex Jones. He's uh, very upset with Elon Musk for reinstituting the Twitter page of Alex Jones. And look, I think Alex Jones is an extremely silly character, but it's Elon Musk's platform. He has the freedom to decide who he wants to participate or not. And if he thinks that Alex Jones is fine on the platform, like that's a okay. It's absolutely freedom of speech to you know be able to decide who who is or is not allowed on the platform. And that's 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. So D. Snyder. Yes, Twisted, D. Snyder. Okay. Twisted Sister. So, so upset. As you know, I grew up listening to Howard Stern, and D. Snyder was a regular guest, and there were a lot of people saying that Howard Stern should never be on the radio. And he's now saying that Alex Jones shouldn't, shouldn't be on, be on, on X or Twitter. Right. Yeah. No, it's a very non-cash money move of D. Snyder once when famed free speech. When did he like a religious zealot? I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand at all. Yeah, I, I don't understand either. Uh, coming from a, a once legend, like that's a very silly move. Um now, here's a story which caught my attention. This is unfortunate. Uh, you know, George Santos, of course, being removed and rightly so from Congress, uh, getting stripped of his $174,000 paycheck. Well, turns out he's getting rich off the uh, back end of this scandal. Um, he is outpacing his congressional income selling $500 cameo messages. People pay George Santos to have personalized messages sent to them. He sent some sort of congratulatory message to a furry recently, uh, dedicated to a furry. Um, speaking of doms and subs, so that, that connects with that conversation earlier. Anyway, um, he also, of course, did a cameo for John Fetterman, who got him or trolled him and paid for a cameo sent to uh, Bob Menendez, uh, who's also under scrutiny for uh, his corruption. Anyway, um, but we're ba we're basically rewarding this bad behavior by being able to monetize his dishonesty and like I, I don't know obviously it's a free country and he's able to do that I just think it's it's a more of an indicting and damning statement about us than anything else and you know it's true like he said this to say CBS News that he was uh, on or uh, set to outpace his congressional income and he's a known liar but he was backed up by uh, one of the co what was a co-founder yeah no the, the founder cameos founder and CEO Stephen Galanis who uh, also told CBS that George Santos messages are going to be an absolute whale for the platform. Sarah Jessica Parker and Bon Jovi level pulling in numbers like that is George Santos selling his cameos for 500 bucks a pop. Well, I'm not going to buy one. I got better things to buy, like antiques. You can buy a nice antique for $500 rather than a silly message from George uh, will Santos. It, will it sell more than Trump's NFT cards? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Uh... Well, Trump got a few million dollars off yeah, of that. Like George Santos, he's doing it again. No, no, I don't think it's going to be even a competition there. But still, he's rigging in a lot of cash. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Coming up next, we, of course, have Hat Tricks with Hatcher, where we bring you the finest moments in gaslighting from the administration, trying to convince you desperately that everything is A-OK -okay and the economy is just fine. We'll play you that coming up next on 93 WIBC. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tumbling down, pledging their love to the ground. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, where this week we've collected some of the finest moments in gaslighting. 
as the government desperately tries to convince you that everything is fine in a buffoonish rebranding of Bidenomics, even as the economy burns. Mayor Eric Adams waves the white flag of defeat as he signals to New Yorkers that they will be left to face the consequences of their own decisions alone and without the aid of the Biden administration they sought to empower. We'll also play you AI Kamala Harris, who sounds shockingly similar to the real thing, all for this week's edition of Hatricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, 93 WIBC. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Carl. Beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with Joe Biden attempting to rebrand Bidenomics as some great success story when we know it's not. They started off making fun of it, calling it Bidenomics. Well, guess what? It is Bidenomics. We have a lot more to do to put our plan is already paying oh, no. off. Why are you the way that you are? I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. More to do. We've already increased prices by 17% since he took office. Inflation has remained steady, and even though it's down from the highs, it's still outpacing wages in many cases. It is vastly more expensive to try and find housing. The uh, uh, mortgage prices have gone up, as have interest rates, in an attempt to slow the economy because of the infinite government money printing press. And no, Bidenomics is not working, no matter how they desperately they try to rebrand the term, uh, largely unsuccessfully. Now, of course, I told you that this would be the final show of 2023, and how could we leave out our old favorite friend of the show, oh, Kareen Jean-Pierre, also trying to rebrand Bidenomics. Look, as it relates to Bidenomics, the president, I just announced at the top of the briefing, he's going to go to Milwaukee. He's going to talk about Bidenomics, investing in America, what what Bidenomics has done for the American people coming out of the pandemic. We can't forget what happened when the president walked in. We saw a literally uh, the economy at a tailspin. And so the president has been working a middle class from the bottom up, middle out. And that's what you've seen him do. And the data shows, as you just mentioned in your question, inflation is moderating. And, uh, you see... Uh, jobs created at more than 14 million jobs. Unemployment is at under 4%. All of those things is part of, is part of Bidenomics, and you will certainly hear the president talk more about that over the next couple months as we finish, uh, finish up the, certainly the year. And it is like a cartoon show, watching these people lie to your face and attempt to rebrand something that she obviously is very unenthusiastic about. Because if you were in that position, surely you would be, too, having to lie to a room full of reporters who know damn well better. As elucidated by Fox Business, who went in great detail about how much prices have increased since Biden took office. And the facts are clear from uh, January of 2021, since the day President Biden came into office. This. Everything is up more than about 17%. The price of goods from food in the grocery store up at 21%. The price of bread alone up about 26% from January 2021 until today. The egg prices up 24% in that time. Milk up almost 17% since January of 2021. The price people are paying for housing to rent and to own is up about 19% since the month President Biden took office. Everything is up. 
17% across the board is a huge increase. And I can tell you, Producer Carl, my income hasn't gone up 17%. Have you gotten a 17% raise? I sure as hell haven't. What about you? Has your income? No. No, no exactly. So your dollar's being stretched short, thinner than ever. And it's more expensive just to go to the grocery store and try and get your, your staple food items, which is not good, especially if you're trying to raise a family, Wait. especially what? Ethan, that's because things are going so well. Right. That there's such heavy demand that the consumer is wanting to buy these products and chasing less products. Things are going so well. Well, maybe he's taking the Michelle Obama approach to uh, healthcare by promoting weight loss through not eating anything at all, you know, because <laughs> you can't afford it See, in the Biden what economy. Was, what I was doing is I was auditioning to replace KJP by saying that everything is going well. <laughs> Surely you have more morals than that, uh, producer yeah. Carl. I, I don't think you'd be able to sleep at night if you tried to do what. Just Green so you Jean can Pierre goof does. on me on Saturday night on the Circle. <laughs> <laughs> what would your theme music be? We we'll have to give that maybe some polka music. I don't know. Exactly. We'll, fig we'll figure it out. Um, of course, Eric Adams suffering under the weight of the hordes of illegal immigrants brought to the threshold of his self-declared sanctuary city and now being upset by the consequences of his own actions and waving the white flag because although meeting with President Biden, he's not doing anything about the border. Adoy, you empowered him to do this. Nitwit. We are at an untenable situation right now, and it is painful for us, or it is painful for the city, and I think that you see it being reflected in the polls. It is because our federal government actions have taken a toll on the people of this city. Uh, we're going to continue to do our job um, in this administration, uh, but it's, these are extremely challenging times, and as I left uh, Washington, D.C., I did not leave with optimism. I left with the cold reality of that uh, help is not on the way in the immediate of future. Ah. Look, here comes a consequence, 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 consequences of my actions chasing me right now. I don't want no consequence, consequence, consequence. I don't want no consequences chasing me right now. Someone take this consequence, consequence, consequence. Someone take this consequence and chasing me right now. So... They wanted to be a sanctuary city, but suddenly when the illegal immigrants brought to their threshold by that policy arrive, they say it's decimating the city. It's more than they can bear. And I thought Bidenomics was taking care of the problem. You'd think you'd think that with Bidenomics, they were they would be able to take care of uh, all those immigrants and the New Yorkers. But here you have Eric Adams saying that uh, there's no help coming on the way like. I, I appreciate the schadenfreude of these people suffering under the weight of their own uh, poor policy decisions, except for the fact that it has a more broad impact on the rest of the country, including here in Indiana. So there is obviously a big reason for us to quickly solve the issue, as now Eric Adams is uh, uh, slowly becoming aware of. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. Have a couple more sound bites that I wanted to play, including one that almost got me. It did sound a little strange, though. This is AI Kamala Harris, who does, in fact, sound shockingly similar to the real thing. This was supposed to be uh, from a speech she gave at Howard University, except that the audio and video were modified to make this absolute gem. Today is today. And yesterday was today, yesterday. 
Tomorrow will be today, tomorrow. So live today. So the future today will be as the past today, as it is tomorrow. <laughs> Isn't that great, Producer Carl? That's brilliant. I mean, but it sounds how, like her. How do we not know that it's not real? That's how she talks. I mean, it's it really did sound, um, you, you know, like something that she has said before. Um, Absolutely. Well, the way she circles back to the Venn diagrams, uh, the way she, you know, several little uh, phrases that she uses frequently in her speeches, um, which are just complete nonsense. So, yeah. But no, that is not actually Kamala Harris. That is AI Kamala Harris. Uh, but it does does sound very uh, shockingly similar to the real thing. Anyway, also um, we have here the mayor of Boston recently elected who went on the defense for a segregationist holiday celebration. You see, in their quest for political correctness, liberals have circled all the way back to their roots of segregation history. The uh, Here's the new segregationist, same as the old segregationist. Uh, but, of course, she uh, defended this policy and said it was just, you know, it was a mistake when she accidentally sent this uh, uh, colored uh, electeds of color invitation to a few uh, white members of the council on accident. I think we've we've had individual conversations with everyone so people understand that it was truly just a, an honest mistake that went out in, in typing the email field and um, I look forward to celebrating with everyone at the holiday parties that we will have besides this one as well. So um, it is my intention that we can again um, be a city that lives our values and create space for all kinds of communities to come together. It is crazy. We say to give a woman, woman power is like to give a gun to a monkey. We have stopped doing that ever since the 1999 Astana Zoo massacre. By the way, what an incredibly tortured turn of phrase. Electeds of color. The electeds. Right. Yes. No, producer Carl. That was that was the phrase that uh, Michelle Wu elected to use. The electeds of color holiday party, which is segregation. It's, you know, it, it, whites not allowed. Which I guess has taken on a new context in 2023, but is no less racist. Uh, thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. Before we end this segment, I finally I wanted to play this golden clip from Adam Driver, who was uh, hosting Saturday Night Live and spoke the quiet part out loud, finally admitting that uh, what killed Star Wars and uh, by proxy Han Solo is wokeness. Oh, by the way, setting up, uh, he was writing a wish list to Santa. So here's here's the bit. Hey, Santa! <laughs> All right, we're on TV. Hey, Santa. It's me, Adam, driver, from the nice list, and also girls. <laughs> I turned 40 this year, Santa, so I'd like five pairs of chinos. I also wanted one of those uh, giant metal Tesla trucks. I think it would pair perfectly with my teeny tiny micro penis. Oh, and I'd like uh, people to stop coming up to me on the street saying, you killed Han Solo. I didn't kill Han Solo. Wokeness killed Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, he said it, he said it. Yeah, yeah, there it is, there it is.
Josh. And we're going to get more into that later in the show. We have special guest Tony Kinnick coming on the program, uh, helping bemoan the latest victim of woke agenda po- uh, pushing in uh, narrative entertainment. Uh, Doctor Who, just a ridiculous trifecta of a 60th anniversary special series. We'll play you some highlights from that coming up. So don't miss hour two of the show. And uh, in the meantime, coming up next, I wanted to share an exciting announcement. Uh, many of you may know that I was raised in the cult of Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and they have recently made a change to their doctrine worthy of contemplation. We'll, we'll share this big update with you coming up next on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We're just wrapping things up for hour one. But before I dive into the topic, did you did you catch that? Producer Carl and I did. The Pepto-Bismol ad just played on the air. And we were talking about having Pepto-Bismol they love this show. be a sponsor of the show. They They love us. Clearly, there's a connection with Saturday Night on the Circle and Pepto-Bismol. Maybe, maybe you need to clean the system, you know, after after partying too hard on the weekend. Anyway, thanks for tuning into the show. Now, I wanted to share a monumental update coming from the Cult of Jehovah's Witnesses, which I know many of you probably don't care a, a tiny, teeny, tiny bit about. Uh, but I was raised in the cult, and this is hysterical to me because they have finally updated their policy and gave permission to all of their members to grow a beard now i don't know if you can hear hear that in the microphone i have had a beard now for several years because i did not need a cult to give me permission to style my facial hair and my personal grooming but here they are the announcement coming from the governing body the uh, uh group of individuals who make the doctrinal uh decisions for eight million jehovah's witnesses worldwide having to <laughs> Having to give them the explicit permission to have individual freedom of choice, which if that doesn't scream cult, nothing will. In recent times, the wearing of a beard has become common in many more lands. So how should we view a brother who chooses to grow a beard today? The video ended with an intriguing question. How should we view a brother who chooses to grow a beard today? The governing body has asked me to read the following announcement. A number of branch offices around the world have written to us indicating that there continue to be questions about whether or not it is proper for a brother in an appointed position to wear a beard. After prayerful consideration, the governing body has concluded that there is a need to clarify this matter. (laughs) The governing body does not have an issue with brothers wearing beards. Why not? Because the scriptures do not condemn the wearing of beards. Furthermore, as time has passed, we have noted that in many lands, 
It is acceptable for men who hold responsible positions in business and government to wear beards. Thus, whether a brother wears a beard is a personal decision. sad is it that they needed to be granted explicit permission to style your own facial hair no i didn't need a group of men to tell me i was allowed to grow a beard i was way ahead of a jehovah's celestial chariot there i was ahead of the curve and they admitted the scripture says nothing about growing a beard and it never did you nitwits so that means that, that rule had nothing to do with the Bible, hadn't it? And they claim that they're the sole espousers of biblical truths. I, 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 I'm getting really worked up about it because I was raised in this nutty or fruitcake of an organization. And I, I just think it's it, it's funny that they have, they're so behind the curve. Like they said in the 1960s that facial hair was associated with a rebellious attitude. Blah. With those guys that smoke that green stuff. Yeah, uh, the reefers. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the 1960s. It's this is 60 years later. What? What? It. <sighs> well, now will you be going back, or now that you can have facial hair? <laughs> no, 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 no. I I do not need their permission to grow facial hair or to uh, govern any other part of my life. I am thankful to be rid of the silly organization of Jehovah's Witnesses and be gone from it. Uh, it was a miserable way to spend a childhood, and I do not recommend that you uh, give it a try. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle 93 WIBC. Now that I've got that out of my system, we can move on. Producer Carl, take a few deep breaths and get on to the rest of the program because we have a lot of interesting stuff coming up, including special guests of the show, Chris Davis and Tony Kinnick. Chris Davis is coming on. We're going to talk about the implementation of AI into newsmaking, which is a scary new frontier that I fear portends the overall degradation of quality of information being provided in newsmaking. And also, we're inviting guest Tony Kinnick onto the program. We'll reflect on uh, the 60th anniversary special of Doctor Who, a once-beloved science fiction franchise from uh, the British Isles that has now been culturally vandalized by the woke agenda pushing uh, that is found in much modern entertainment. All of that coming up in the next hour, so stay tuned, and you can also find my podcast uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm. We got more on the way. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, hour two of the show. If you missed a moment, you can catch my podcast uploaded to WIBC.com as well as Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. Producer Carl, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. I believe this will be your alleged <laughs> final show, Producer Carl. Is that correct? Uh, maybe. Well, well, we'll see at the beginning of the year. Right. We'll see what happens. So <laughs> I don't want to do it like another official goodbye. You only get so many of those, Producer Carl. I we wanted could... to break a record. <laughs> Well, we'll see. Um, you've done a fantastic job, and we've loved having you around. But I understand you've got greener pastures to move on to, uh, and better shows to be a part of. And you can hear us on, yeah, you can hear us on Kendall and Casey yeah, this week. Yeah. yeah, we'll be filling in. I will be uh, in on the show the whole week. Uh, Monday to Friday, um, and Brad will be joining me on Thursday and Friday uh, for for Kendall and Casey, and possibly I'll be filling in on Tony Kennett as Tony Kennett uh, show in the evening as well. Wow! So like, yeah, I've got a busy calendar coming up uh, over the holiday weeks, but that's okay. I, I enjoy doing the show. Anyway. Uh, this is a little bit of an abbreviated segment because I have special guests coming up later in the show. Chris Davis is coming on. We're going to be talking about AI newsmakers. Uh, Tony Kinnett's coming on. We're going to talk about the downfall of Doctor Who and the woke 60th anniversary specials. And then I'm ending the program by replaying a game-changing, life-altering moment I had on the Kendall and Casey show, uh, sharing a new function uh, that has existed in microwaves for many years, but I'm just now becoming aware of perhaps... You will, too. So stay tuned later in the hour for that. But before then, uh, I did want to play, of course, uh, uh, Jim Jordan discussing Hunter Biden uh, uh, flouting his uh, subpoena and making a press conference instead of appearing before Congress and noting that his story has changed. I would just point out that I've had a chance now to review what uh, Hunter Biden said in his, his press conference. And I think he made an interesting statement. He said his father was not financially involved in the business. And I think that qualifier, the word financially, is, is important because, once again, it shows another change, another change in this story. First, it was no involvement. Then, no, I never, never talked to anyone. And then we find out about the dinners, the meetings, the phone calls, and everything else. Now it's okay. He wasn't involved in the business financially. I think that is important. Uh, it's one of, the, one of the reasons we want to talk to Hunter Biden. Second thing I would say is this. In a few hours, I think the House of Representatives is going to pass the, the impeachment inquiry. And they did. And that is an important step. If you talk to any scholars in this, I, I think we could proceed as we did under Speaker McCarthy, where he announced it. But this is an important step. The impeachment power resides solely with the House of Representatives. If a majority of the House now says we're in an, an official impeachment inquiry as part of our constitutional duty to do oversight, that carries weight. That's going to help us get these witnesses in. That's one of the curious things about this ever-evolving story. The goalposts have continually moved. At first, of course, the Hunter Biden laptop was just a figment of your imagination, a product of Russian disinformation, and then drip, drip, drip. Suddenly, the laptop is verified, and suddenly Hunter Biden admits the contents are his own, and suddenly Joe Biden is not only discussing business, but meeting with business partners. He's just not financially involved. So constantly, the story has shifted, and now Republicans are going to be empowered to take a closer look at this and uh, increase their levels of scrutiny. That's all I've got for this segment. Stay tuned, though, because uh, special guest Chris Davis is coming up on the show next, and we're going to discuss AI newsmakers and how that damages quality of information. Stay tuned to 93 WIBC.
You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm Ethan Hatcher, your square peg in this round world. You can find my podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday Night on the uh, Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. In our modern world of convenience, many tasks have been automated to make our lives easier. But what about automating the process of newsmaking and the important role of value judgment? Who's accountable when robots begin crafting our headlines? Here to reflect on these questions is the award-winning newsman. He's a broadcaster, writer, family man, and friend. It's my privilege to welcome the great Christopher Davis back to Saturday Night on The Circle. Hello, sir. Well, I just can't live up to that. (laughs) (laughs) Your talent speaks for itself. You've already given us so many great news specials. You've you continue to provide voice work for the station. So you know you live up to your own legend. Okay, I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Okay, so I saw this story cross my desk uh, when I was filling in for the uh, Kendall and Casey show, Rob Out on Vacation, and Casey brings me this story about Channel One, uh, a newsmaking agency, alleged newsmaking agency, out of Los Angeles that is trying to industrialize the process of crafting news in the grossest way possible, launching AI news anchors to try to read the headlines and craft stories, and it's absolutely artificial it's gross and it sounds really creepy i have an example right here of what they're trying to present but how does the public feel about the design well channel one has developed a unique new way to gauge sentiment and it leverages our ai's ability to read and analyze data almost instantly i quickly read the most recent 30,000 tweets posted to x about the cyber truck and based on the emojis people have been using sentiment on the vehicle is indeed very mixed Will Tesla revolutionize the truck market, or will the Cybertruck remain a niche player? Oliver? Oliver! Um, hi. Oliver, what's coming to movie theaters this season? Oh, right. Thanks. So think about it. We spend the majority of our days with our heads down, staring at tiny screens alone. Isn't it about time we took a break from that and went back to staring at big screens with other people? That's right. It's time to look up from your phone, step outside, breathe some fresh air, then get in your car and drive to a dark movie theater because these December movie releases need to be seen as big as possible. Stop it! Stop it! Please! I beg you! It's a sin! It's a sin! It's a sin! All right, that last bit there at the end was just my reaction to this rote regurgitation of content. This is not even just reading the headlines. It's it's soulless. It's robotic. It crosses the uncanny valley. It's not it's not even news. And I knew that th- this would surely ruffle your fe- your feathers the same way it ruffles mine. <laughs> How dare a robot tell me to get out of the house and go to a movie theater? <laughs> or to, or just try and regurgitate, like, oh, well, I analyzed the emojis you used about uh, the Tesla truck. Who cares? That's right. not news. The, and that tells that this... tells you how people feel. Uh, <sighs> no, that tells you what emojis they put. There. Yeah, there we go. That tells it... you words on a you know words on a tweet. That's not gauging the sentiment of people. Engaging the sentiment of people requires some human discernment. And, you know, robots never heard of discernment. No, no, they lack a soul. And I feel like movies have been warning about us for years. Three billion human lives ended on August 29th, 1997. 
the survivors of the nuclear fire called the War Judgment Day. They lived only to face a new nightmare, the war against the machines. And I feel like that's what we're in in news right now and content generation is a war against the machines. I think that trying to implement AI is going to create a pseudo nuclear arms race of implementing this very cheap method of content creation. And it's going to take away from human value judgment, which and accountability, like who is responsible when the robots are in charge? Well, what you said there, you said cheap. And I think that's why uh, you're going to see probably more news agencies, more uh, owners want to employ these things because they are inexpensive, relatively. I mean, you think about how much human capital is whenever you're talking about employing people who have experience, people who uh, actually are getting out there and trying to make these judgments based on gut instinct and things that robots don't have. And then you say, well, a robot can do this a whole lot cheaper. But this is not a task that should be relegated to robots. Nope. News is something that people are using to make decisions about, uh, about how to go about their daily lives. And if you are going to be a news person, then you have a kind of a mission. And that mission is to be able to help people, to help people make those decisions, just to, to help people in general. And robots don't have any desire to help people. They don't have any desire at all. And when you're farming out these tasks to robots, you lose quality. It contributes to the overall degradation of information. This is an excerpt from a video by H Bomber Guy on YouTube, and it was relating to plagiarism in how very cheap uh, YouTube content creators utilize other people's work, representing it as their own and profiting in the process, but it leads to a degradation of information, and I feel applies to the conversation regarding AI. See if you agree Here's his thoughts. Internet video as a business is at odds with internet video as a medium, dare I say, an art form. Put the gun down. The increased industrialization of videos doesn't necessarily make the videos better, just easier to make. But if you want to make as much money as possible in the short term, you cut those corners and you make as much product as possible. Information itself deteriorates in the process of producing industrial quantities of content. The mask has fallen and the gears of the mill spin naked before us as they wheel and crunch all meaning to dust and Raid Shadow Legends sponsorships. Go to audible.com slash repent Harlequin to enter a coma and escape this madness. <laughs> but Wow. <laughs> I mean, but doesn't it dovetail perfectly into exactly what we're talking about when you have robots very cheaply and ineffectively pilfering essentially other people's thoughts in the news? Like, isn't that plagiarism in a way as well? Because these aren't original thoughts generated by the AI. They are just a compendium, a collection of uh, uh, aggregate of many other people's thoughts then repackaged and represented. Two weeks ago, I was looking for audio from George Santos, that despicable congressman, (laughs) and I was trying to find where he had uh, gotten on uh, an an X program and talked bad about uh, one of Mississippi's congressmen who was uh, going after him. And when I typed in George Santos, uh, there there were probably a hundred of these uh, wacky uh, automated videos that came up. 
exactly what this uh, guy was so eloquently talking about. And I could not find the audio that I was looking for. All I could find was all of this, uh, this, this crap. <laughs> and it was all computer-written, computer-performed. And, yes, it brought you the facts, but it was all so bad. It brings and I you- finally, you know, after three or four of them, I, of course, I gave up. I said, where the heck is this audio? I guess I'm not going to find it on YouTube. It brings you the facts in only the most base form and not always the correct facts either, which is something that shouldn't be overlooked in the crafting of the news process. But more importantly, it doesn't bring you a compelling story. It doesn't connect the way that these news items relate to the individual's life, which I feel is integral to the value offered by news. We don't follow the current events just for, you know, craps and giggles. We do it because it affects our lives and our judgment and the decisions that we make (laughs) well listen to this one i think that the thing that is going to be affected most by this is trust and when a news person uh gets on the air every day and cracks the mic you know at wibc or wherever they are trying to not only deliver news but build a bond of trust between that news person and the listener, that one-on-one bond of trust. And that is something that a soulless machine can never do. They can never build a bond of trust. And trust is integral. If you are going to uh, have a news source that you go, and look, I mean, let's admit it, uh, you know, a lot of the big boys, uh, the the people in New York and Los Angeles have uh, broken that bond of trust by, uh, by being biased. Yeah, but this this goes beyond that. This is not even human. They've broken the bond of trust that never existed, and that is because you cannot have a bond of trust that goes one way to a robot. Well, this is a perverse role reversal of roles. Robot, of course, being based on the Latin word for slave, because machines were meant to serve men and not be their master, which effectively they become when they delineate your information to you. And that is that should frighten anybody. The concept. The, the mere concept of it should just cause the, the hairs in the back of your neck to stand up. It does for me. <laughs> no one should ever trust news that they're getting from a machine. And I've, in fact, I am, I am all for, you know, and uh, I don't know, you know, how many people are, uh, you know, listening that are spiritual people, but I'll do the same thing I did for Twitter. I prayed every day for Twitter to go away. I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing for AI. Uh, I'm going to make it a daily routine and I'm not kidding. I did, and uh, somebody told me one time uh, right there in the WIBC office, they said, Twitter's never going away. And look at it. Twitter is seriously diminished, so I'm going to give it everything I got. Well, traditionally, electronics do not fare well in moist conditions, and the Lord has utilized floods to great effect in the past, so maybe you can step in here. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyway, Chris, uh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate your thoughts. I thought that, you know, this was a really important issue to discuss, especially being that WIBC is part of creating news and delivering news. (laughs) Well, indeed, you know, I made it my mission every day when I was there, and I still do, uh, to to make WIBC's news product a, as trustworthy as possible. And I would like to make double sure, as long as I have influence there, that AI will never be a part of it. Absolutely. And you do a damn fine job, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ethan.
Thank you for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, and stay tuned for more on 93 WIBC. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Saturday night on the circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday night on the circle. I'm your Bohemian Codger, Ethan Hatcher. You can find my podcast on WIBC.com and Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm. In the last decade, it seems like many once great franchises have been sent to the woke slaughter fields one by one in a scorched earth campaign to realign social norms through agenda pushing entertainment. Most recently, this trend has come for Doctor Who, a beloved 60 year old British science fiction TV show and the latest victim of woke agenda pushing. Here to reflect on some of the cringiest moments to ever disgrace broadcast television is the Chisel Investigative reporter for the daily signal and he hosts a nightly show here on wibc welcoming the inimitable tony kennett back to the program hello sir how's it going it's going excellent on this otherwise dreary soggy somewhat moist damp saturday afternoon (laughs) (laughs) but we can reflect on what have been truly ridiculous three 60th anniversary specials for Doctor Who, where we're being beaten over the head by woke agenda pushing. And it's not like these shows haven't already had a history of left wing messaging Doctor Who, a long tradition of that. It's just the difference in writing is stark and apparent and grating. And I really dislike being beaten over the head with messaging like the meep where you have Doctor Who, a time lord, being lectured now about pronoun usage. I promise I can help him get home and then you'll never see me again. You're assuming he as a pronoun. True. Yes, sorry. Good point. Are you he or she or they? My chosen pronoun is the definite article. I am always for me. Oh. And I don't know about you, Tony, but what makes this especially grating is it's not one or two instances, although we'll only be hiding, highlighting a couple of the standouts. The entire episodes have been crafted around checklists, which make it the most banal, uninteresting presentation of science fiction one could imagine. And it's so deeply disappointing for a show, you know, and of one of many fatalities that used to present interesting ideas and compelling stories and cool characters. And it's just it's gone. Well, yeah, that's the issue. I don't have a problem with the show having kind of a left-leaning nature. Not at all. I mean, that was literally Star Trek. Star Trek was Earth, the socialist government, and then adventures in space. So it was kind of the the duality between libertarianism and then socialism and kind of how those related to each other. And it was interesting. And there were some very cool ideas. And the, the modern Star Trek episodes have become garbage. And then you had Star Wars. Star Wars had some very interesting ideas, some politically left-leaning and politically right-leaning ideas. And then it got to be garbage. And the problem is not 
with the, the fact that there are some political elements, it's that the writing has gotten so <laughs> atrocious. The, the finale of The Doctor, which I didn't really enjoy Doctor Who. It's not one that I love. I've watched it. Um, I, I dated a girl in high school that basically begged me to watch Doctor Who, and I, I watched through a couple of the seasons. It was all right. Um, but at least the episodes were compelling and interesting. There were mysteries, and every single episode explored all of these interesting questions. You'd go back in time to the Dickens period in England, and then you would flash forward and, and be in you know 400 years into the future, then back to the American West, and why does this town have light bulbs? Light bulbs aren't even around for another 10 years, and it's this compelling, interesting mystery. The finale of the Doctor Who 60th anniversary or however many anniversary, whatever it's yeah. been. Yeah, no, 60th anniversary specials, three of them, and the one with Neil Patrick Harris is the one I think you're referring to here. Yeah, yeah, which is which is incredible because, like, Neil Patrick Harris is a phenomenal actor, and I have always appreciated him. I thought he should have been the Riddler uh, during the Christopher Nolan Batman series. There was some talk of it. I think he's a great actor, and what a waste. You had a, an amazing villain. When my wife, who enjoys Doctor Who, told me that you know he was a villain, I was like, all right, I'll sit down and I'll watch it. He's okay. I like David Tennant as well. And instead, it, it zoomed out to this final scene, and you've got Zitolimeka, and he's got this big gun on this tower that looks eerily like the Avengers Tower in New York City. And then you turn the camera pans, and it's David Tennant, and then like a woke checklist of people, you've got the disabled person and you've got like the woke lesbian who lectures people. And then you've got the really strong woman who doesn't need any men leader woman who talks to people down all the time. And it's like you have this weird checklist and that, OK, whatever, fine. London has a diversity quota, whatever. The finale of the episode is a game of catch and not like hot potato with like a bomb. I mean, David Tennant pulls out a hacky sack. And they try to throw the ball at each other until one of them drops it. And that's the actual culmination of the anniversary. That is so embarrassingly like pathetic in yeah. writing. I mean, there's a moment where the TARDIS, like there are now two Doctor Who's. And just, so then like the TARDIS splits into two. You just wax it with a hammer. Thing. Boing, now we have two of them. And you have It's so silly. We have and not like good silly. Yeah. It's just like who wrote this? This isn't interesting. And that's the point. Well, is it, that they took the crappy writing, and then they replaced good writing with woke lectures on top of it. Well, who you have responsible for this is Russell T. Davies, uh, a return right. that many fans had hoped would be a return for form. They're, you're, you're, they're bringing back David Tennant. They're bringing back uh, Catherine Tate. They're bringing back Russell T. Davies. Like These were the glory days of Doctor Who post-2005 when it came back and really entered into uh -huh. the American mainstream. And now you have actors uh, you know, uh, from that first initial run, 2005, Christopher Eccleston speaking out out against Russell T Davies uh, something that he's you know made clear for a long time but I think other people following the 60th anniversary specials are starting to understand his ire here and here were comments that he made uh, in front of a panel with fans you'd all love to see Christopher come back as a doctor right see now what would have to happen for that to become a reality sack Russell T Davies sack Jane Tranter sack Phil Collinson, sack Julie Gardner, and I'll come back. So can you arrange that? Did, did you find it hard to be like, associated with the character given... Not at all. I love being associated with the character. Just don't like being associated with those people and the politics that went on in the first series. The first series was a mess, and it wasn't to do with me or Billy. It was to do with the people who were supposed to make it, and it was a mess. 
And a good number of people liked the first series. So maybe, you know, he saw the warning signs long ahead. Any of the rest of us did, because, of course, he was, you know, privy to the behind the scenes process. Right. <laughs> and, and this and this is the annoying thing, because uh, science fiction has for a very long time. There's this divide between how the left views science fiction and how the right views science fiction. The right views science fiction as in the future. What problems are we going to have? What cool new stuff are we going to see? And what are brand new problems that humanity has never faced that get solved with reasoning from way back then, from way back when? That is how the right views science fiction. Like, how do we take what we're dealing with now and apply it to few, like or things we've learned throughout the history of our species and apply it to problems in the future? Very, very, very cool idea. The left views science fiction as if we create leftist utopia. What does that mean and what does that look like? And also, how can I use this medium to lecture everyone today? So one side views it as a tool of basically as a tool of lecturing and oppression to the audience. And the other side uses it as adventure and exploratory imagination. One of those things is interesting. The other wants to make me stick a fork in my ear. And a prime example of that came with Yasmin Finney, the transgender actor and, uh, you know, uh, daughter of the character uh, that Catherine Tate plays in the show. Um, or daughter, anyway, le- it's so complicated with the leftist nonsense and lecturing the beloved David Tennant iteration of the character, bemoaning the fact that he's not a woman anymore. Yes, we know. We know everything. Thanks. And you know nothing. It's a shame you're not a woman anymore. She'd have understood. You've got all that power. But there is a way to get rid of it. Something a male presenting Time Lord will never understand. Just let it go. And we choose to let it go. Oh, it's so cringe. It's so absolutely cringe. And, you know, what makes it so sad is they're doing this to somebody that the the fans loved. They are ruining the character. They're ruining the stories. And they're bashing you over the head with a leftist virtue signaling. It's And all of this at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's nothing interesting going on in the show. Ethan, I got a question for you. In, like, the mid-aughts, do you remember how there were a lot of disaster movies? Like yeah. Like, movies yeah, about, yeah. like, and not, I'm not talking about Twister of the 90s. That was a good one. I'm talking about all the ones where, like, L.A. and New York got devastated. Every single movie, everyone in New York and everyone in L.A. died for like eight, nine years in a row. And like they suck. Yeah, I think that culminated in like 2012, where eventually the earth was collapsing in on itself and it just got utterly ridiculous and insane. Right. And then eventually we kind of moved on from from right. that. And it turned into right. a Fast and Furious like 20. <laughs> exactly. So one of the reasons is because the same locales every time, same thing. Literally this entire series, London has almost been destroyed 427,000 times in Doctor Who. This is my biggest criticism of Doctor Who. They have the entire world. London has the most beautiful soundstage development for movie production in history. I mean, it was proven during Star Wars. You can create any environment ever. The budget today is unlimited. You can go anywhere. And every single city, the Meep is going to destroy London. The German is going to destroy London. The Bugs are going to destroy London. And it's like, how many times does a disaster have to hit that town before someone's like, dude, maybe we should leave. It's like so cheap. It's so silly. And it shows a severe lack of creativity that's going on in Hollywood and I guess entertainment abroad as well, considering this was produced in England. And I just wonder at what point does the dam finally crack because viewership numbers have been collapsing not that the bbc has to worry about profitability with the licensing structure of london you know the obligation of the taxpayer to fund this broadcasting service but you see disney losing tens of millions of dollars on these woke virtue signaling products oh it's hundreds it's hundreds of millions now yes you're right you're right 
I'm undervaluing the loss. <laughs> I mean, and, and with Disney being and possibly indicted in a corruption scandal over based on what it was paying off its um, assessor and government individuals in Florida, now we are we're seeing that none of Disney's movies are even meeting the standard at the box office. They're losing money on every single release. Disney Plus is fracturing. The BBC is not making money hand over fist either. You can have as many licensing fees as you want. They are not breaking even. And it's just what we've told you for years. People have said that if we just made the world super acceptable for every transgender, lesbian, 14 different races mixed into one super woke person, if we made that normal, then everything would be fine and nothing would change. The depression was the problem. What well, actually turns out the problem is that all of the LGBTQ plus 2IA super woke people have no talent. And when you make someone's talent based on their skin color or what private parts they have, instead of what skills they have as a writer, the quality of any good, whether that's in medicine, whether that's in entertainment, education, et cetera, is garbage. Well, I think what the fans are screaming out for is a quality correction and hopefully a return to form as these utterly lack profitability. The beauty of the market system is hopefully a response and an eventual correction. The bubble has to burst, I would think. I would. Did you notice that not one person complained that the, that the new doctor was black? That's what we were told, right? We were told that, oh, this would be the problem. People are going to be like, that's a black person. And that was going to be like the big complaint, right? No one complained about that. The, the people complained that he looked like he was just kind of cringy and he's like kissing everybody. And it was like, this is kind of weird. Well, like he's like a 70s game show host. He's well, like kissing everyone that he meets like well, that's that's the problem. I don't, I don't know if you saw the trailer for the Christmas special, which is his official introduction. Um, he's going to be evidently at one point dancing uh, with a skirt and a crop top in a nightclub like a giggling schoolgirl. So, you know, that's, oh, I'm sure that's the new Doctor Who. And that's why, you know, it's just utterly failing with fans. <laughs> oh, well, over here in this side of the coast, I know we probably don't have enough time left in the no, segment, but we have to talk sometime up. about that trailer for the movie Civil War. Oh, my gosh. That's Lord, funny. Yes. I, well, again, talk about agenda pushing in entertainment and that is an entirely different issue yes we will have to return to that conversation possibly in the new year because of course this is my last show of 2023 congrats uh, on another great year dude very you, great sir. show i enjoy listening to it yeah and congratulations on getting the tony kinnett cast monday to friday thank you man i really appreciate it thanks for listening to saturday night on the circle stay tuned to 93 wibc So every time you stumble, never grumble. Next time you bumble even less. For up from the ashes, up from the ashes, grow the roses of success. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Grow the roses of success. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the monumentous final show of 2023 for Saturday Night on the Circle. It's always my privilege to come into the studio and unpack the news on a weekly basis for your enjoyment. It would mean nothing, however, if you weren't here. So I really appreciate your support and seeing you hop in the comments whenever I'm on the air. It means the world, and I appreciate that. So onward to another successful year in 2024. But before that, I leave you with the final story of the year. This is a replay of a conversation I had with Casey Daniels, hopefully something that will improve your quality of life. For I discovered a function on my microwave that until now I didn't realize was so useful and so revolutionary. It has changed the way I 
use the microwave oven to uh, reheat everything from leftovers to cook my microwave popcorn bags. Maybe it'll be a life changer for you, too. So here's the conversation I had with Casey Daniels earlier this week. My name is Casey. Rob's out today. Ethan Hatcher joining us in the studio. You discovered something you were very excited about. This is amazing. I tried to follow along, but... I don't know what's going on with you and your microwave and the sensor reheat function. Uh-huh. You're, you're calling this a life-changing feature? This is technology that's been around since the 90s, so it's not something that's been recently mm-hmm. in innovated in microwave technology. It's just a little sensor that's built into some microwaves, not every one, but the ones that have this capacity are magical. It started with a video about microwave popcorn. You know how on the back of your microwave popcorn package it says, do not press the microwave button on your microwave or uh, the popcorn button on your microwave oven because it assumes that it's not governed by a uh, sensor but governed by a timer and if it's a timer based then it's not telling you anything about the cooking but if you have a sensor what this does when you push the popcorn button on your microwave Mm -hmm. is it uh, creates a it it, uh, creates a baseline reading it turns on the fan and it senses the moisture level in the microwave and then it times the moment from when it turns the microwave cooking on to when a uh, burst of steam is released from the popcorn package and from that calculate or from that time period it can calculate how long it will take for your popcorn to be finished and i mean it's perfect really? it's perfect casey no burned kernels <laughs> it, i mean it, it's amazing it's a life-changing feature the fact that you could just push the popcorn button uh-huh. and then it knows whatever size bag if it's a fun size bag if it's a regular size bag if it's an extra large size bag whatever you got going on mm-hmm. it can calculate to the second the perfect cook time but it's not just popcorn it's also like you said the sensor reheat which mm-hmm. my microwave has um, it, and it's not even the most advanced uh, 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 feature out there like apparently there's another one that was built in 1997 that's the king of these sensor microwaves but mine you can put whatever you want on your plate Plate, basically, whatever yeah. portion size, mm-hmm. and then based on the steam generated, it can calculate the perfect temperature to reheat your food. It's great. So all I have to do now is just load up a plate with le- leftovers, yeah. throw it in the microwave, sensor reheat, and it's reheated perfectly every time. This is a game changer. You don't have to babysit the microwave or gas or overcook things mm-hmm. now. Or, or put it on 30 seconds, put it on 30 go seconds in, and, and like then nope, poking. it's not warm enough. Bingo. Okay, so it's, you're ta- you, it's a sensor reheat button? Uh-huh. That's what it's called on mine um, because not all sensor microwaves are built the same and not all of them offer the same features. But mine is a sensor microwave and it just has that sensor reheat function and whatever size portion it is, it can figure out based on the steam generated how long it will take to properly cook the dish. It's a game changer. I don't even know. I'm going to have to look. Now, my mind was blown recently when I discovered the mute button on my microwave. Do you know that? No. (laughs) See, okay. But why would you want to mute the beep? Because it's it's annoying. I don't need to know. You don't need to know when your food is done? I, you know, when okay. it stops working, it stops working, right? I guess. It's just annoying, that beeping. So you can mute the beep. I've muted mine. I did it to my mom and it freaked her out. She was like, the microwave's broken. <laughs> no, I muted your beep. I'll unmute it for you. But you're saying on some microwaves now, there is a sensor reheat button. Mm-hmm. So no matter what the food is, popcorn, plate of leftovers... 
It doesn't matter. Yeah, or like a baked pit. Uh, well, I think the, the sensor reheat probably wouldn't work for your popcorn. Um, they have a dedicated popcorn button for that, but they have like a vegetable button on mm-hmm. mine uh, that'll perfectly cook your vegetables. They got a baked potato button if you ever want a perfectly cooked baked potato from your microwave. Right. This is cool stuff. And it just, through, through the magic of science, Casey, <laughs> science and calculations and tables oh that have existed gosh. since the 90s, and it's going to improve your life. It's going to improve the quality of your, your left over reheating. Uh-huh. This is a game changer. It, it suddenly makes a useless appliance magical. These things, it probably had this forever yeah. and you're just now discovering yes. it. You're yes, so that's what I want to talk about it. You're so excited about it. Alright, well I'm going to have to check my microwave now start, start to see out, if there's a sensor reheat button. Start out with the popcorn feature because the, pop, the popcorn feature will tell you a lot about like whether your microwave even has the sensor reheat function. Uh-huh. So if you press the popcorn button on your microwave and it asks a question like, well how how big how big is the bag almost certainly you do not have a sensor it's just looking up like averages and mm-hmm, timetables mm-hmm. and you're going to have some burnt kernels but if it does have the what do magical you mean if it asks me is it going to display? Uh-huh. Well, again, if it doesn't have the... My microwave is not currently talking to me, Ethan. <laughs> I don't know if yours is speaking with you. Some that's of, some that's of a them whole speak. different conversation. Some of them speak, the, the fancy smart microwaves. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so just try, try it out. Try the popcorn button out first mm-hmm. and see if you aren't delightfully surprised <laughs> by a perfectly popped microwave popcorn bag. Mm-hmm. Guesswork completely removed. You don't have to babysit the bag. It'll just, it'll know when to shut it off. And it'll, it can do that with other leftovers too. It's wonderful. I, there's so many functions on the uh, that appliance that probably never get used by majority of people. They just put the food in, put 30 seconds, a minute, two minute, let it go. Uh-huh. Maybe take it out halfway through, stir it, put it back in. But you don't have to suffer under the weight of guesswork anymore. We live in a world of modern convenience and this is per You know who'd get a lot of uh, mileage out of this? Who? Jason and uh, Nigel. Uh, you think so? With the nachos. <laughs> yeah. A sensor reheat button for the nachos. Well, I'll bet a couple of guys like them go uh, blast through a lot of leftovers uh, mm-hmm. uh, on a weekly basis. Yes. You know? I bet so. All right. Well, thank you for the information. Now I'm going to have to go home and have some fun. It's it's fun with your microwave time. <laughs> it's good. Okay. And look, I acknowledge maybe the sensor function is something that you were already aware of on your microwave. But for me, it was a game changer. My last microwave didn't have a sensor. So when I got this from the pawn store and lo behold it does for only 20 bucks it was a game changer uh not only that but learning about the science behind how the sensor works and how it's so accurately able to prescribe those correct cook times for whatever leftover you throw at it i thought that was pretty cool maybe it'll change the way you look at and utilize your own microwave oven unfortunately that's all the time i have so i leave you with my parting words of wisdom as always and big thanks to producer carl for his dutiful work coming back to saturday night on the circle and helping us uh, uh, fill out the rest of the year. Uh, Who knows what changes will come from 2024, but we look forward to it. And in the meantime, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind. See you next year. 